advice, advice from someone else's dad. Hi everyone, it's Peter Yawitz and welcome to the Advice from Someone Else's Dad podcast. You're not going to change the world in six months. These things take a long period of time. Uh, it's okay if you, after undergrad, end up spending a substantial amount of time investing in understanding how particular industries work so that you can then you know, be a part of changing those industries. That was from my amazing young CEO interview with Micah Weinberg, CEO of California Forward which is a non-for-profit organization whose goal is to create shared prosperity across the state and to improve government performance and accountability. We'll hear more of my interview with Micah in this episode. I'll also be sharing your workplace questions along with my favorite HR pro co-host, Jamie Steele. Finally, I'll read one of your workplace nightmares. If you'd like to ask a question or share one of your workplace nightmares, call us at 347-857-7294. That's 347-857-7294. You can also go to someoneelsesdad.com slash podcast and submit a question there anonymously, or you can simply email us at questions at someoneelsesdad.com. And please don't forget to subscribe, like, please, please, please like us, and comment. First up, let's check in with Jamie Steele, my HR Pro co-host, to talk about some workplace issues on our mind this week. Hey, Jamie, how are you? I'm fabulous, Peter. How are you? I'm fantastic, to keep with the F. <laughs> Yay. Uh, what's on your mind this, uh, this sunny day? You know, uh, so one of the things I want to talk about and kind of get your opinion on was, so... You know, it's something that comes up and it's, it makes me a little bit uncomfortable because I'm like, I don't want to out anybody, so I'm not going to use names. Oh, please don't. <laughs> right? Or please do when the phone, <laughs> microphones are off. <laughs> exactly. But one of the things that I've dealt with pretty regularly throughout my career is whenever I bring a vendor in, let's say it's for um, looking at our healthcare programs, looking at our um, wellness programs, things like that. Um, typically, if it's a in my opinion, attractive man oh. that comes in. <laughs> uh, I can almost guarantee nine times out of 10 that I'm going to be asked out on a date. You're kidding me. Uh, no. And I don't mean to say like they'd ask you out on it. I don't mean it that way. Yeah, what are you saying about me? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> These people can't see me. So, you know, we need to say that all the best things. <laughs> I actually, um, I don't know whether to be shocked or not. I mean, I, interesting, I guess I should say. I'm surprised. I guess I'm surprised that that a vendor, because I am a vendor and I work with many companies, yep. I wouldn't even think, first of all, to my wife, I wouldn't think of flirting with anybody or asking anybody out, but I I just think that would jeopardize the relationship. I mean, you could get called out. Uh, it's You're jeopardizing somebody else's career. I'm jeopardizing my career because if I did something like that and I word came out that I started to ask people out, I wouldn't, my business would be in jeopardy. I just wouldn't even think about doing that. Yeah, it definitely, so it started, so the one and only time, let's, let me back up to that. Yeah. The one and only time I said yes was when I realized what was happening. They asked me to do happy hour. So I'm thinking, like anybody does happy hour, more networking. Sure. Yes, only to realize like, oh, we're gonna sit on the same side of the table because you want to be that much closer to me. And now you're going to start touching my leg oh, really? or my arm and looking at me with those very, like, I like you eyes. Because this guy's out of town, no risk involved. Yes. And so I think I realized then, like, okay, sometimes these ass that are seem very innocent for a happy hour, they really aren't. And then I've also just been very explicitly asked out, like, you're really cute. 
you've been a ton of fun to work with. We should do something sometime. Mm-hmm. You know, I golf, I ski, uh, I have a place in Vail, Colorado. Wow. We should meet up sometime. Uh-huh. Very, very direct ask. Okay. And as a professional woman, um, take HR out of it. Just as a professional woman, sometimes I think to myself, do they not see me as their equal? Mm-hmm. Like, why would they do this mm-hmm. uh, when we're in a professional setting? And I, to my knowledge, have given no indication that I'm there for personal reasons right. to find right. someone to date. Right. Would you think it would be different? And have you asked more senior women than you whether that happens to them as well? I have, and it does. Oh, yeah. And I think it happens more often than we realize. And I think that's part of sometimes, I think, just the struggle for women in the workplace is wanting to be seen as being competent and just as ballsy and forward. At the same time, there's sort of that fine line because I think that can be interpreted as, well, we should just have all the same rules that sometimes, if I'm just going to blanket statement, that guys can have. Right. Well, actually, speaking of guys, have you heard or any of your employees or any of your colleagues told you that men colleagues that they've been hit on men by men or women in the workplace? By I men? mean, by vendors, by uh, vendors, by male vendors. Yes. Oh, really? Men to men, but yeah. I have not heard it women to men. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So let's go back to what kind of advice we could give. I mean, for me on the other side of being a vendor, I would just say, hands off, buddy. I mean, think about your career. And actually, before I get your answer, would you hire some of these guys back? No. Really? So in every case, in every case, when people have asked you out, and I'm sure you've said polite things like, oh, no, thank you, or let's keep this this relationship professional, all the things that I would expect you would say, after that, did you not invite them back? That is correct. You never invited anyone I've back. never invited someone no, back. Even if the reviews were fantastic. Even if the reviews were wow. fantastic. Okay. Because that's just, to me, it's undermining okay. my yep. professional integrity. And did they ever get a follow, give a follow-up? I'm asking too many questions here. But if they ever get a follow-up like, what's the matter? I thought things went really well. That has happened. And I mean, maybe I shouldn't admit this, but I ghost people. Oh, uh, yeah. So I just, just no longer respond. communicate. Yeah, okay. Exactly. All right. So now back to my question. How do you respond to people who are in your position, yes. women and men, when they are hit on by well, external but also internal people? Right. You know, I, I tell them to very explicitly and definitively draw a line in the sand. Like, you know what? I, this is a professional space, and I'd like to keep it professional. Mm-hmm. And I think with these guys, sometimes you just you can't give any room for them to feel like there's space to still potentially see that. Mm-hmm. Of course, people get married and have relationships sure. with people all the time. Sure. But I think there's a time and place for that. And if, if that's not the route you want to go down or the road you want to go down, you have to be very clear about it. Um, how about internally? After Me Too, or this we're still in Me Too, I don't want to say it's over with, but people have become more enlightened. Do you find that some men are reluctant within the workplace to ask a woman out or vice versa because they don't want it to seem as harassment in any way? Oh, for sure. And and sometimes it's not even to the level of asking out like romantically. It could just be asking to do anything, a, a lunch Mm-hmm. one-on-one mm-hmm. because will that person take it in a way mm-hmm. where it seems romantic but I'm just trying to network build my career so I, I've seen that happen more where I've just been asked like is it okay to still like ask somebody to like go for a coffee uh-huh. Uh-huh. because I just like them as a person right. 
And I think there's that's yeah. absolutely fine to do something like that. Totally. And you know what? Something could come of that, and that's fine too. Exactly. Because when you get to know someone just socially, that then you realize, oh, we're compatible in certain ways. Let's see how this goes. But yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, very interesting, very timely, and kind of creepy message that you gave me today. Thanks, Jamie. Yep. Jamie and I will be back a little later to answer some questions listeners have submitted. The number again is 347-857-7294. But now my phone interview with Micah Weinberg, CEO of California Forward, whose recent accomplishments include promoting cost-effective public service, growing middle-class jobs, and creating accountability for results of recently acted reforms, recently enacted reforms in California. Micah and I talked about how California measures its own success and how young people interested in public service should get great training in the private sector before rushing to change the world. And here's this big reveal. Most people can't write effectively, a statement that stung my soul. Here's our edited interview. I'm so pleased to have as my guest today, Micah Weinberg, who is the CEO of California Forward. Micah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I think a lot of listeners would have no idea what California Forward is, but I think you probably can explain it better than anyone else. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's sort of by design. We're very much a behind the scenes on some level organization in California. Um, and we're something that you don't really tell the person on the street that you are. We're a civic intermediary. So what the heck does that mean? That means California, like a lot of places, but a lot more than a lot of places, is a big old place. We've got lots of different economic regions. L.A. and San Francisco have almost nothing to do with each other, really. We've got all kinds of interest groups, business, labor, et cetera. And so the challenge becomes actually getting anything done in that environment. Uh, and so what California Forward does is it brings people together across parties, across sectors to work on taking sort of good policy ideas and turning them into things that could actually be real public policy uh, in our state that would help people out with the things that really matter in their lives, housing, transportation, workforce development, uh, water, and other, other key issues. Well, these are big platform items. How do you determine your success factors in an organization like this? Yeah, I mean, that's part of the challenge because they say that success has many mothers. In our case, that, that's also very much our theory of change. So uh, we're only going to be successful to the extent that, on some level, other people can take credit for what happened. So we have to bring together people across, again, all these different sets of interests. But we also do very much uh, guide ourselves by uh, something we call the California Dream Index. Um, and that is a you know, set of measures really related to the quality of people's lives, um, their economic security, their economic mobility, the stability of their housing, the access that they have to education. And our North Star is improving the livelihoods of people in all parts of California as measured by what we call this California Dream Index. Mm -hmm. So can you give me a tangible example that people can really relate to about some of your successes based on this quality of life index? A really big issue in California, like a lot of other places, is um, housing. When you ask what's important for people's health, it actually turns out it isn't whether or not we 
adopt, uh, you know, sort of a Canadian style system or a German style system of uh, healthcare. It has to do with the um, economic opportunity that they have, the communities that they live when, with, within, and especially uh, their access to stable housing. If you don't have stable housing, you know, all these other kind of health issues tend to snowball. And a study that we put out ended up uh, creating the marker uh, for California that now has been adopted by the Newsom administration and kind of everybody that thinks about California, which is that we need 3.5 million additional homes in this state to provide uh, housing stability and the kind of economic security that comes along with that. But that, that's been a big area of focus and a, and a real kind of framing success uh, for the organization. Mm-hmm. I know from talking to a lot of people who are coming out of college, they are bombarded with offers of a lot of money working for consulting firms. And there's certainly good reason. I mean, they pay a lot. You can pay back your student loans if you work for a place like that. You get wonderful training and it can set you up for different parts of your life. But then again, there's a lot of people who feel, well, how do I justify doing those type of jobs when I really want to be in the public sector, let's say? Do you have these conversations with young people? The truth is you can change the world in any sector. Toll <laughs> uh, booth collector? I'm not sure. One of the things that's especially important is I know – so one of the things that I do in my current role is provide a bridge between industry and you know civic groups because a lot of people – want to make change in the world. They want to change how the financial system works or they want to change what's going on with pharmaceuticals or, you know, what have you. But they actually don't know anything at all about how any of those industries actually operate. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know how the industry operates, you're being played. Mm -hmm. So I think it's actually valuable to have people who want to change the world. I mean, so much of how the world is set up and what happens with economic mobility and, uh, you know, the trap doors that open up in people's lives have to do with how we do the financial system in our country, how we do the credit system in our country. And so spending some substantial amounts of time understanding how that actually works in a pretty direct way, I actually think is a really good way to have a career then because you're not going to change the world in six months. These things take a long period of time. Uh, it's okay if you after undergrad, end up spending a substantial amount of time investing in understanding how particular industries work so that you can then, you know, be a part of changing those industries. What kind of people have you hired? People who can write uh, and talk and think and do basic math, which it turns out is about 0.02% of the job. Oh, don't say that. That's so depressing. Um, And it's actually not necessarily associated with what kind of a college that you went to. There are a lot of people that I know that have master's degrees from very prestigious institutions that cannot write. And it's writing in particular. If you have the ability to first off think and then present uh, some well-written analytical piece, you're just going to have so much power within your career and within your society because it's it's such a rare commodity. I spent a lot of my time trying to get people to write. A lot of it is just basic communicating an I- of ideas, but certainly fun- focusing on an audience and understanding what they're looking yeah. for and helping them solve any kind of problem. Really, why yeah. do we communicate at all in business? It's really somebody needs something and we have an answer for them or, or an idea that might help them. 
right. either to be more profitable and be more productive or increase their prestige level. And I also really look for people with a diversity of lived experience. Obviously, you know, ethnicity influences what your lived experience is going to be. Um, as does class. It's not race or class. Both of these things matter a tremendous amount. Geography that you've lived in matters a tremendous amount. I have people that work all over the state of California. So people who live in Riverside, California, and the San Fernando Valley, and Sacramento, and just having those different, even geographic perspectives on uh, what's going on in California is important. You need to be able to have a broad mind. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Micah. It's certainly different from the ty other types of people that I speak with. I'm sure that our readers who wanted to go save the world find out that there are opportunities beyond where they thought they could save the world. So I really appreciate this conversation. Thanks so much. That was from my phone interview with Michael Weinberg. You can also learn more about California Forward at its website, cafwd.org. Up next, Jamie and I answer your called-in workplace questions. Our number is 347-857-7294. This is advice from someone else's dad. I'm Peter Yawitz with Jamie Steele. Here's our first call. Hi, um, this is, um, my, my name is Danielle. And um, I have a question about, like, sitting in at work. I mean, I'm struggling to sit in with the people that I work with. And I, I guess I feel like my work is very clicky, and the people here have worked together for a long time, and I, I just don't really sit in. I, um, you know, I try to be conversational with them and, you know, chat and engage. But I don't know. It just usually the conversation just dies. And, um that they continue to talk with one another. So I just feel like I'm not, either I'm not trying hard enough or I'm just not fitting in. I mean, I don't need to be best friends with the people that I work with, but I, I, I just want to feel like I belong. So, you know, I can have collaborative relationships. So um, please help me out. Thanks. I fit, well, I don't want to say all of us can relate, but I certainly have related to times where I felt I did not fit in and everyone else was clicky and I was the ultimate outsider. You felt that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I don't want to say everyone's felt that, but, you know, certainly you're not alone. The question is, in my mind, do you want to be part of that click? You know, you are trying too hard, but maybe they're just not the type of people. If you want to be friends with them or get to know them a little better, maybe there is a happy hour that you could instigate to get to know people outside. But... If you don't really want to be friends with them, no one's forcing you. Absolutely. And and I think, I mean, it's common for anybody want, to want to feel a sense of belonging, and especially if you're spending, uh, you know, long hours of your day with these people. One of the things that I have found benef beneficial, and I'm specifically recalling working for a company where when I started, I felt like I was such an outsider. Mm -hmm. I wasn't an accountant. I was working in an HR function. I was the only person in an HR function and everybody else was accountants. So they're doing all this math speak and mm -hmm. I'm just like, gosh, you guys are so cerebral. I just, I'm not there, mm -hmm. even though I am smart, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, what I decided to do was instead of walking up on a group conversation where I just felt like a fish out of water, I started emailing people and just saying, hey, would you mind if we took a walk? And that way they didn't have to, you know, announce that we were going to go do anything. It was just, we had a specific time, a specific date that we were going to meet up. And then I got to know people individually. And over time, I started to feel more comfortable. Once I maybe knew 10 of them individually, 
Then when they were all together, oh right, get to know them one on one rather than as a group. Absolutely, yeah, and, and it they're worked. not. It's not high school where they're going to say, "You'll never believe who wants to go for a walk with me." Oh my god, right? Right. Actually, they did, Jamie. I checked well, out. Well, and being out. an HR, it's hard when you ask them to go for a walk because oh, they're like, right. "Well, what are you? Is, yeah. there, is, is something, something wrong?" wrong? <laughs> yeah. Well, there is. <laughs> I want to be your friend. Yeah, I be your friend. Uh, I, I don't. Would never tell anyone to quit because you don't fit. You don't like the people. But if that means that much to you, all right, think about it. You know, think about the type of people you like to be with, and maybe there's another place that you'd fit in more on. Absolutely. Hi, this is Nicole. Um, my question is, how do you ask for more money from a job offer through email? I put an amount down, but the offer's just a little lower. But it offers paid benefits, you know, for myself. So it's not terrible. Just wondering if I can ask for a little more in pocket and not sound greedy. Thanks. Take care. Bye. I wouldn't say that's greedy at all. I mean, if you're, if you're talking about a 50% difference or a 100% difference, then that might be a little bit surprising. But if you think it's a 10% difference that's warrant that's warranty, warranted, then uh, sure, why not? I agree. And... The thing I, I, when I, you know, hear questions like this, I just always want to tell people, you have to ask for what you want. No one is a mind reader. And a lot of times if you're a recruiter, you're given, here's the range from here to here. And you're looking at, well, what does everybody else make? What is this person's experience? It's a gut. It's also, you know, a little bit of a formula. So it's not an exact science. And for that fact, there's always room to negotiate in my mind. And no one is ever going to offer you the top dollar that they can unless they've been searching for a year and can't get the position right. filled. Right. So if that's not the case for you, I would definitely say ask for what you want. Yep. Great. Coming up next, you know it, it's this week's Workplace Nightmare. Okay, here's a workplace nightmare. Many years ago, I had a Wall Street job. We all sat in a big open boardroom. I sat on an aisle, and on the other side of the aisle was the staff room. This had a set of vending machines, the Mr. Coffee that was never cleaned, and hosted an amazing science experiment in the bottom of the carafe and a sink. Once a week, the vendor delivery guy would come to the office, usually Thursday around 5.30 p.m. Because it was a Wall Street job, it was not unusual for half the staff to still be there at 5.30. We had an office manager. I think her name was something like Roxy or Tiffany. We began to notice Thursday she was particularly dolled up. The receptionist would say to her, You don't have to stay till 5.30 just for the vending machine guy. We're here. We can make sure he feels, fills the vending machines properly and gets the paperwork he needs. If you came clear that our office manager and the vending machine guy were doing a little more than their assigned jobs in the staff room. Let's just say the sounds emanating from the staff room and the fact that the door was locked and the fact that the vending machines weren't always really restocked afterwards <laughs> led us to believe that there was some after-hour hanky-panky going on. Okay, it was a Wall Street job in the late 80s, and this was more of the innocent stuff going on. But I have to say, the thought of those two pressed up against the Mr. Coffee <laughs> ledge prevented many of us from going to get that late-day snack from the staff room. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I've heard stories. Maybe I shouldn't even share them here. People can direct message me about that, about some bad behavior in the 80s. Uh, there's no bad behavior in the... 2019s are there i mean i've definitely dealt with a little hanky panky in an office i worked at before uh, yeah, yeah. yes um and did you have fun oh it was not <laughs> me either oh my goodness and i definitely had to talk to those individuals 
Uh, and? Let's just say they were escorted out. Oh, really? They, they were fired? Correct. Oh, my goodness. Lesson learned. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Advice from Someone Else's Dad. Many thanks to Michael Weinberg and, of course, to my co-host, Jamie Steele. Next time, there will be more answers to your questions and more workplace nightmares. Remember, you can call us at 347-857-7294. Go to someoneelsesdad.com slash podcast and submit a question there anonymously. Or you can just email us at questions at someoneelsesdad.com. We appreciate all your comments and all your loves, I mean likes. And we'd look forward to hearing from you soon. Please subscribe to our podcast and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Someone Else's Dad. I'm Peter Yawitz. See you next time at Advice from Someone Else's Dad. Advice from Someone Else's Dad.